Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Middle and a glorious service on a glorious Sunday. Please join me in the call to worship. Praise God. I will praise God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no help. Amen. Good morning. Please be seated. My name is Bertram Johnson. I'm the Minister of Care and Spiritual Development here, and it's my honor to welcome each of you to this time of worship. Uh, I just want to take a moment. If you are visiting us for the first time, the very first time, will you raise your hand so that we can recognize you? Where are you from? Where are you from? Big, well, welcome, welcome, our marble brother. Over here is someone who, I saw a hand. Maybe I'm wrong. Where are you, where are you visiting from? Brooklyn, welcome. That's, that's visiting, that, that counts too. Anyone else? Earlier this morning, we had some folks from France and Queens. All over the place, people are worshiping with us. And a special blessing to those who are worshiping with us online. Everyone turn behind and, and a wave of blessing. Know that in the way that we are experiencing God's presence here among us here at Middle Collegiate Church, we pray that you find God's presence and spirit richly blessing you wherever you are. So thank you for joining us. 
Uh, I just want to take a moment to invite one of our young people forward today to tell us about something that's very important that's happening just on the other side of this wall. Please come to the children's book fair after worship. It's going to be awesome. Did, ever, did everyone hear that? Let's do it again. We've got sound here? Go ahead. Please come to the, please come to the children's book fair after worship. It's going to be awesome. So again, just like last year, Middle Church is hosting a multicultural children's book fair. You don't have to have kids, you don't have to be a kid, but you can buy a kid for a, maybe a school in your neighborhood or someone who's in your family, a neighbor uh, who would benefit from um, learning about life from someone else's perspective. And so I invite each and every one to take part in that. Um, next week we're doing the second part. We had the first part, but next week we're doing the second part of our new members class. And so if you're interested in joining the movement, this amazing love transformative movement that is Middle Church, I invite you to attend that next week. And we'll also be receiving new members in both the first and second service. Um, is there anything else? Friends, know that you are, oh, oh. Oh, I do want to take one moment. We have two very special guests that we're inviting, are worshiping with for the first time. Uh, as you know, uh, Middle Church has been very much involved in immigration rights and work at the border. And today we're hosting a mother and a son, a family that had been separated, but through your support and finances, we were able to reunite, reunite them and also to offer them financial assistance. And so Ida and Carlos, do you want to take a moment to stand? We pray God's blessing upon you. They are primarily Spanish speakers, and so if there's anyone who in particular wants to welcome them after worship, please do that. And now I'd like to invite my colleague Amanda to come forward for our time of prayer. Friends, we live in a world that asks a lot of us a lot of the time. Now I invite you into something different, a space where you can sit and reflect and find a posture of prayer that is comfortable for you as we pray. Merciful and loving God, though we can't explain it, there is something holy, something other, something loving that draws us here. We are grateful to be in the presence of the divine. But as we sit, we claim that our world is not yet what we hope it would be. We know there are thousands courageously walking long and hot mile after long and hot mile, making a caravan of beautiful souls in search of safety. We recognize our nation's complicity in their danger and in the fear hurled at them. We ask for forgiveness and we boldly pray for comfort and safety for all those who walk in search of a better life for themselves and their family. We give thanks to God for Ada and Carlos being together here today with us. For the many ways we don't love you with our whole hearts or our neighbors as ourselves, we ask for forgiveness. We pause this week in a tradition borrowed from our Jewish family 
to pray for and honor those saints that have faithfully departed from this earth. We claim our holy communion through Christ Jesus with them, even now. We think of those who we lost this year and those who we lost long ago. As you are comfortable, I invite you to speak their names now. Lord, in your mercy, receive these names. We give you thanks, O God, for each of these saints, for these souls who have gone before us. We claim that we are changed. We are different and better people because of who they were on earth. Bless these saints, O God, today and every day. Wrap us in your love, compel us in your justice, remind us of your grace and your peace. And as we go to the polls and vote on Tuesday, empower us with moral imagination for a better tomorrow than is today. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Now, friends, I invite you to stand as you are comfortable and hold hands as we pray the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Christ, as our peacemaker, we are people of peace. And as people of peace, I invite you now to turn to your neighbors and share the peace of Christ. May the peace of Christ be with you.
Our scripture this afternoon comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. Let's listen together for a word of God. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right. Teacher, you have truly said that he is one and beside him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any questions. The word of God for the people of God. Let the church say amen for the scripture. Amen. Let the church say amen for the gospel choir. Amen. 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 Uh, good morning or afternoon, middle. We've fallen back and fallen forward, uh, but we're here. Uh, yesterday, uh, our friend and neighbor, Rabbi Larry, uh, Siebert invited uh, us to Town and Village Synagogue for their Shabbat, uh, and it was a, a really um, amazing experience, and uh, we, we were met with abundant grace and warmth. Um, st other members of, kind of the interfaith group here in the East Village uh, were there with us as well, Catholic worker and the cathedral and other places, and it was really um, a, a touching uh, expression of unity uh, in this time, and uh, just feel uh, blessed by it, and blessed to be a part of this community that is uh, always uh, going to be in those relationships. It uh, feels somewhat sobering uh, at the same time that today is All Saints Sunday, uh, where we honor the great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us, and we hold up those 11 souls uh, that were lost last Saturday at Tree of Life Synagogue, can't help but think of the two individuals killed by the white supremacist in Kentucky uh, who had just a moment earlier tried to do the same thing at a African-American church uh, but was locked out. And we think of those who have died here uh, in our community, including the members of this church over the past year, uh, Michael Firestein, Mother Lucille Bodden, Pamela Wark-Smith, Mary Smith, Gene Edgehill, and current, certainly we have held each other as people who are close to this community. We held each other as those who've gone through losses of parents, siblings, partners, mentors, and loved ones. Also this year, for many of us, it was, uh, we will always remember the loss of uh, at least three great theologians and James Cone, Katie Cannon, and Aretha Franklin certainly as well. Um, so let us pray. 
Oh, holy creator God, we give you thanks for the lives uh, that we celebrate on this morning. Uh, we ask that you continue to use their uh, example and witness as inspirations and source of life for those of us left here on earth to do your work. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence today. We pray that we may leave different than how we came. We pray all these things in your name. Now may the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our Lord who is our rock, our redeemer, and our liberator. Amen. Uh, next week, uh, as some of y'all know, I'll be ordained here at uh, Middle Church in the... Um, um, and... Uh, thank you. And... Uh, next week, that's going to be hard. Next week, oof. Um, but... Uh, it, it, and even as it is somewhat of a transition uh, for me, I will no longer be Minister for Congregational Life, uh, but I am excited that we are working, uh, that my, I will have a call here at Middle and stay involved uh, in, in some form. Can't get, can't get rid of me yet. I'm stubborn. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that uh, as well and, and working with Jackie and Derek and others on the conference and other education stuff and uh, organizing. Uh, but it is a transition and, and, and certainly tragedies like the ones we faced in the past week, uh, death and when we think about All Saints Days and even life's transitions uh, always seem to push for me anyways, me towards the greater existential questions of life. What is really important? what really matters. And so today I'd like to draw on the, the scripture lesson from Mark and some of the lessons that I've learned here at Middle uh, over the past two and a half years. We see one of these fundamental questions of what really matters coming from the scribe in the scripture in Mark. Uh, he asked Jesus, which commandment is the first of all? Uh, he's asking for one and in good Jesus fashion, Jesus gives two. Uh, but what, what follows in this interaction is actually the, uh, the only interaction between a scribe and, a, and Jesus and Mark that is not antagonistic. Uh, and we often skip that point because this is a really important scripture, what Jesus says. This is somewhat of a central tenet of the Christian faith. Because Jesus' response to the scribe is these two great commandments. Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. But if you've been following the lectionary this fall or have read much of the Gospels uh, thus far, this interaction should come as a surprise. Uh, scribes uh, would be loosely translated today as, as uh, the equivalent of lawyers, uh, perhaps, except they have a, a, a religious function in addition to a state function. And they benefit directly from the structures of power uh, that were oppressing the Judean people of the time. And for the most part, scribe, scribes uh, played a very particular role uh, for Jesus uh, in the narratives. Is, is there was Jesus' opportunity to teach us the holy work of cursing uh, the heaven out of people in power. That's often where we find the scribes. That's the, they are the, uh, I know there's some literary term for that, the foil. Um, so by the first lesson I pulled from the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Middle Church today is that we play a dangerous game 
when we make assumptions about people's hearts and their histories. And certainly here at Middle Church, it is a humbling place in that sense. You Middle Church congregations and members and visitors uh, are the gift that keep on giving when it comes to pleasant and beautiful surprises. There's really, really no telling who's in the pew next to you. Uh, I think early on I tried to write sermons and prayers imagining who my audience was on Sunday morning. Who's, who's going to be there? Who, how, how can I tailor this to them? And finally I came to the realization that the only thing we really have in common, every single person that you can assume on a Sunday morning, is that we happen to be in the same room. <laughs> and there's something to be said for that. Uh, but after that it's anybody's guess. And online. You're in the room too. Uh, but I can't count any, uh, the number of times that you have surprised me with insights and questions uh, and hearts so full of the Spirit of God. Uh, and likewise, Jesus could have expected the scribe to continue the disingenuine and more combative uh, type of questioning debates that had characterized all the interactions up to this point. But instead, Jesus reminds us again that we may look at outward uh, appearances but God looks at the heart. And middle, you show me that all the time. Uh, Jesus' second commandment today is often equated into common speech as the golden rule. Treat others as you want to be treated. And while I, I can appreciate this proverb, uh, it never struck me as the deepest anchor of moral conduct. I don't know why. Uh, I can see that it can do some good. Uh, but in the wrong hands, the golden rule can actually be quite dangerous. As uh, George Bernard Shaw says, Do not do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Their tastes may be different. <laughs> they may be different. Uh, and it's actually, it's a bit of a stretch to get to the golden rule from the text today. Jesus is quoting Jewish scripture in Leviticus, saying, love your neighbor as yourself. The scribe says back in slightly different, uh, love your neighbor as oneself. What we know for sure is that this is not a quantitative command. Uh, it doesn't say love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Uh, it doesn't say love your neighbor to the degree that you love yourself. Uh, one commentator compares it to the statement in Matthew where it says, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Uh, and in this sense, it's not that you're going to be the, the totality of God's perfection. That, 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 that's not what we're getting at. But the quality of God's perfection, the sense of it, the feel of it. So upon further review, uh, I actually found it hard to find uh, even the idea of self-love in this formula. Now, I, I hope you all stay with me, because I know self-love is important. We love self, I love self-love. Self-care, self-esteem, self-awareness, self-control, selfies, these are all very important uh, to building the kingdom of God. They are. And I think I, I and, I, and I, I have even preached a sermon uh, where I claimed that this scripture, what it means is that your capacity to love others is dependent on your capacity to love yourself. And that makes sense to many of us, because many of us have been hurt by people who can't seem to love themselves. Uh, insecure people, we have been the objects and the, the, the end of insecurities that come out in painful ways. 
But when I think about this, I also have to ask myself, have we not been loved by people who struggle to love themselves? Have you not been cared for by a person who struggled to practice self-care? And as a depressive, I have to believe in the capacity of the human spirit to transcend this, to achieve levels of empathy for others, even as that empathy lags for oneself. So that formula doesn't quite work. One thing at middle also learns that you can make mistakes. The mistakes are holy. Uh, but I think the scripture may point to a different way of getting at self-love. While avoiding the pitfalls of self-idolatry, self-idolatry being a temptation of uh, all of us, regardless whether we have high self-esteem or low self-esteem. Uh, you see some of the people in the media who are killing others, especially white supremacists, it is, there's a self-idolatry to it, but they certainly don't strike you as someone who has high self-esteem. So avoid that, but also avoiding the pitfalls of self-alienation, separating from oneself in order to love oneself, that you have to somehow step outside of yourself and then love yourself back in this self-love. I think we can get there in a different angle when we look at uh, these great commandments in the, in the context of a few terms. Autonomy, self-determination, and covenant. Covenant. Uh, covenant will be a word, uh, hopefully, that we increasingly uh, hear in this uh, church as we have added the United Church of Christ as a denomination. And I thank you all for that because that's what I get to be ordained in. Uh, and as I learned more in the UCC polity class um, that uh, I was interested in, excited to find this word, uh, and certainly UCC didn't uh, invent it uh, when it was created. You know, UCC is only about 50 years old, uh, this idea of covenant. You know, Israel and God have been working on it for millennia. Uh, but it was exciting to find some, some words to actually uh, describe the way uh, we do things here at Middle and the type of church that we are trying to be. Uh, for the UCC, covenant is the organizing principle around which the entire denomination runs. It is the concept that uh, describes each relationship. Relationship between each body of the church, the local congregation, a local association, conference, and the national church. And this covenantal re uh, relationship is also one that we share with one another, uh, between ministers, between members, and between non-members. And, of course, with God. Um, now, a covenant is, a, is, is not always what you want. Uh, it can be a dangerous thing. You don't want a covenant with a landlord. Uh, you want a contract, uh, especially in New York. Uh, covenant and contract are good uh, ways of, of, of opposites as ways of understanding each other. Uh, you know, when you sign a contract, you're signing an agreement that gives you freedom from certain violations. So you're free from uh, something. But when you enter into a covenant, you are uh, free to be in relationship. So it's a freedom from and a contract and a freedom to, a freedom to be in a relationship, a freedom to love. Um, where contract is a yes to a no, covenant is a yes to a yes. You with me? We're getting there? Uh, it required, but, but the thing, covenant, is it requires something in advance. There's, there's, there's prerequisites, almost, to, to entering a covenantal relationship. 
And in, in the UCC polity, that's, that's, that is described as autonomy. Uh, that it requires autonomy, uh, autonomous uh, people in order to enter into these relationships. In social movements and organizing, we might call it self-determination or liberation. Uh, but only two autonomous, liberated people or entities can fully live out a covenantal relationship. It's what James Cone uh, said when he says, liberation first, and then reconciliation. Liberation first. And so I read the second commandment with you in mind, uh, middle. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as oneself. Uh, to me, this is the realization that yourself, one's true self, is already the quality of God's love. That oneself is not only the object of love, not the loved, but the subject of love. That the boundaries between self-love and God's love and neighbor love start to converge in the self-actualization of loving as oneself. Uh, it feels like an antidote to the temptation to try to live our lives and to love others as someone else, to live in love in ways prescribed by others, prescribed by family, friends, society, and even career opportunities or success, to accommodate ourselves to the desires and expectations of others, to what we think will be met with approval, admiration, respect, or even fear. This is the temptation. Uh, and as we always know, in chasing other people's consent for our existence, we always will end up empty, anxious, and confused. Uh, so yes, you've taught me, uh, middle to love people as ourselves, to live into covenant, this antidote to codependence and codependent relationships. This is the constant struggle towards autonomy and self-determination. And I think it's so important, especially in this time, for at least two reasons. Uh, the first being that in a resistance movement and moment uh, like the one we find ourselves in over the past two years, it's very easy to start constructing uh, an identity against the hate which we fight. When we do that, when we construct this identity against uh, that thing that we're trying to fight and dismantle, we're actually giving over our lives to be defined by forces of hate and fear just as much as someone who is in those movements of Christian, white Christian nationalism. The second reason autonomy, self-determination, and liberation are so important in this moment is that we are in danger of letting the ideology of American empire define the moral center. And today, our, it, our standards can become so low if, you, if you're paying attention to media. Uh, nowadays, you'll, you'll find that uh, people are falling over themselves trying to celebrate a polite fascist. All we need, all we need is just people to be a little more polite. That's our standard now. And the danger is also that the tragedies like last week can get us confused about the nature of the system that we start to think that violent acts of individuals and white supremacists is the way racism is uh, malforming our culture, poisoning our humanity. But we know that we could send every single bigot to outer space next week, and we still live in a racist, sexist, and economically exploitative society. It's the nature of how this system works. It doesn't need 
uh, that uh, the, the, the people who are running uh, uh, away with white supremacy to, for the system to work. It's been going long enough, and it's, uh, it can morph and change uh, all the time. And so this mystery of faith as seen in covenant is always a triangular one. Uh, I know I've met some liberated people, but I've never met a liberated person who thinks they're done getting liberated. We don't want to think of ourselves even as a liberated church or an because that means that we've arrived. And the second you've arri you think you've arrived is when things go wrong. So we want to be a liberating church, a self-actualizing church, the subject of this thing we are pursuing. See, love of God, which is really consent to love, is a third party that nourishes relationships here, be it lovers, friends, family, colleagues, church members. In Jesus' response to the scribe, there's actually three steps before we get to the one about loving the neighbor as oneself. A quotation from Deuteronomy starts with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. So the first one is, Lord, our God. The God I claim, the God we claim, has a claim on me, but not just me. The God we serve, the God we claim, has a claim on us, but not just us. That this is our God. This isn't a privatized Christian God. This is a God that belongs to all people. And middle, I, I think, you know, you learn some of that stuff in seminary uh, theoretically, but the, the way that you have embodied that commitment uh, for so long uh, has had a profound impact on my faith and my perspective on the expansiveness of God and the expansiveness of this uh, community. It is the spirit of community that, that Jackie cap captures in a beautiful transitional phrase for where we are right now, saying, uh, we are becoming more Christian and more universal at the same time. Isn't that all right? So second, God is one. And now Jesus isn't making some argument about the superiority of monotheism to polytheism. Uh, but what I think he's pointing us towards is that there is a creative life force that is undivided. That this thing that is powering our capacity to love our neighbor as ourselves has no split allegiances. is what the Buddhists may describe as non-dualism. Uh, and thirdly, we say that it is our God, it's everyone's God, that God is one. And thirdly, we are called to honor the creative loving life force that moves through each of us by loving the one some of us do call God. Yes, to love God with all our heart, Cardia in the Greek, the center source of lifeblood, the center of our being, the thing that makes us tick. With all our soul from the uh, Greek suke, where we get psyche, meaning to breathe or to blow. The remnants and aftermath of God's breath of life that gifted each of us as an ensouled person and a unique personality, that peace of God in us. With all our mind from the Greek of not just mind, but the total mind, the dianoia, dia meaning from side to side like diameter, or thoroughly or fully having covered all the ideas. And finally, with all our strength, iskus in the Greek, is being a force, and kous to have, the force and strength that is already inside us from the beginning. The Hebrew word in Deuteronomy gets translated as muchness. And I don't even know how to theologize that word. I've never heard it before. 
but I love it anyway. When life seems to be draining the life force from you, separating you from the love that made you, just draw on your muchness. That's already there. Now, the, the most scandalous thing Jesus says in this text to the scribe is at the end. And you'll notice that sometimes we've been throwing in the word kingdom. We take the G out of kingdom as a way to create new metaphors that are less patriarchal and uh, more fitting for our time now. Uh, but uh, you see, the, the, the scribe agrees with Jesus and says that loving God and loving your neighbor as oneself is more important than all the sacrifices in the temple, the temple where he is actually gets all of his livelihood from. And Jesus says back to him approvingly, you are not far from the kingdom. The truth remains today as it did 2,000 years ago, middle, that when you covenant with the cosmic to insist on the humanity and integrity of all peoples, as your authentic and genuine self, you're not far from the kingdom. When you middle conspire with the cosmic, you're not far from the kingdom. The vision of heaven on earth that we get glimpses of every day here at middle and twice on Sunday. <laughs> and yet that glimpse is, is not even scratching the surface of the glory of God that is yet to be revealed in this place through, in, and by each of you, each of us. Amen. Amen. My name is Jackie Lewis, and if you don't know me, I'm the senior minister here at Middle Church, but I'm also a member of Middle Church. This is my house. I love this place. Um, I get to invite you to join the movement today. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, man. When I got here 15 years ago, we didn't live stream our worship. We didn't have the Facebook, which I love to say, or Twitter or Instagram. And Gordon, our previous senior minister, was so interested in us taking Middle to the streets by using social media. We knew that we could grow a movement here at Middle Church. And we also are pretty landlocked. So all these last 15 years, we've been talking about how to push back the sanctuary or increase the sanctuary. Why? Because we are some ambitious people. Our vision statement says that we want to reclaim and reframe Christianity. And that means growing a movement of love and justice that isn't just about us, that isn't particularly Christian, but has love in the center of it. Yeah, amen. Amen. So as such, I have a new job inside my old job, which is how one gets to stay thrilled at their job. My, my new job inside my old job is senior minister for vision, for partnerships, and public theology. Isn't that cool title? That means I get to work really, really closely with Bertram and Amanda, who the two of them are, ex are executive function. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Bertram's got worship, he's got care, but he's executive function. Amanda's got justice, she's got education, but she's executive function. They've got administration, so I can take it to the streets. Now, I've been currently doing my old job and my new job at the same time, so I need a little nap, <laughs> okay? But I'm really living into going out and going the movement, going to speak in places. I've been in um, California talking about vote. I was in Pennsylvania talking about justice. I was on TV, on NBC talking about... Like, so this is my new job inside my old job so that we can grow our movement of love and justice. What can you do to help? A few things. One is to like groove on our new staff. Groove on our new team. Help them to learn what they need to learn. Support them, love them, covenant with them. Covenant with them, you like that? And, and teach them and co collaborate with them because they are here to help you. Um, two, let me have my new job. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, yeah, but, I'm, but I still have it. <laughs> I'm gonna be here almost every Sunday because that's what I do. I'll still preach most of the Sundays. I will collaborate with them to plan worship and education. But sometimes on Tuesdays, I'll be in another city and can't have coffee with you. I'm gonna miss that because I love having coffee with you. Love it. And you know I love the glass of wine more than the coffee. Let's be really, let's be crystal clear. Just, I don't like coffee that much. So. But I'll be here, I will be here, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere, except I'm going everywhere. Does that make sense? So we need you to help each other. So the deacons, the elders, all of our wonderful ministers and residents, stand up, Derek, Nally's up there, all these folks, where's, where's, uh... <laughs> Catherine, all these folks are around to help us to do more, do more when I'm in Pennsylvania, okay? Do more when I'm in California, yeah? Three, socialize the things you see. So for example, we're doing Mosaic in a couple of weeks to raise money for, um, for the CBS show that I'm about to tell you about. But um, socialize, echo, send it out, tweet it out, Facebook it, Instagram it. When you see it, do it, share it, because you're helping grow the movement. You're helping grow the movement. And four, on December 2nd, at 9.30 and 11.45, we will be having pre-Christmas worship. Advent 1 will be Christmas Eve. We are going to have a rock'em, sock'em, amazing worship celebration twice that will be recorded and then broadcast on CBS. I said CBS. <laughs> on Christmas Eve. Yeah, Christmas Eve at 11.35. Say what, Jackie? Yes, Christmas Eve at 11.35. That will be the nation's Christmas. Yeah. Featuring you. So what do I need you to do? Try to come to church twice. Just, just like make it a day. We're going to have good food, 9.30, 11.45. If you, if you come twice, you can sit up close and be on camera. I was going to be honest, okay? <laughs> so come, come twice, wear your beautiful Christmas clothes. It's going to really be church. Lots of music, beautiful experience, but also we're going to record it and show it, okay? And you'll socialize it. Two, if you've been dating us and you're thinking about joining the movement, come on and join it. Come on and join it. Don't keep dating. Just join. It's easy. Just say you want to join. See... Christina, after worship right here, sign on the dotted line. We won't take your firstborn child. It's very easy. We'd love to have you in the movement. And because um, you're stakeholders, right? 
And finally, $725,000 is this year's offering ask for us to do all the things. $725,000, you're slamming. Look in the bulletin, you'll see the number. But we need you to make a commitment to help us to do our things. It does take your funding. Takes your time, takes your funding. That's all I have for now. Any questions? Ask Jeff Mummert. He's ready to talk to you right after worship. Thanks. Let's give it up. Woo! We're good. Oh, could you please stand and do the doxology? That's what Dion wants me to do. that came forth from the body of a lovely person named Rob. Thank you for each of us in this room. Each of us in this room, God, loved by you, seen by you, known by you. Let us love you with everything we have and our neighbors as ourselves. Let these love offerings grow a movement for justice and peace in the world, building what you call us to in your holy and powerful names. Amen.
are invited to this table of bread and juice to receive and to remember the grace that Jesus shared with his disciples on the night before he was killed. We eat and drink here remembering his teachings, his miracles, the depth of his compassion and the breadth of his love. As we eat together, let us remember that when we act in love, we are bringing about the kingdom, the kingdom of God here in this place and throughout the earth. Friends, the invitation is simple. Come and share in the feast. Not a meal to feed our body, but to nourish our soul. We receive this bread and this cup united with those in every age. The saints before us who felt unworthy, those who were doubtful but hungry to know God, the children who eat freely, unburdened by faith. Come as you are, there is great joy here. No one is turned away for God is the host. Friends, will you say a prayer with us? God of all, send your spirit to this place so that those gathered here in this sacred moment may see and share in your kingdom. As we eat the bread and drink of the cup, make us one with all the saints and with our siblings in love for your justice and healing of the world. Amen. Amen. On that night, Jesus was sitting with his friends and he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body. It's broken for you. Take and eat all of it. <laughs> And in the same manner, after eating, Jesus took the cup and blessed it and shared it with his disciples and said, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for many. As often as you drink it, do so remembering me. This is the joyful feast prepared for you. Come and share for all is ready. We'd love for you to come from the balcony, so as we're preparing, if you'll head down, that'd be great. Then the others will help you come from the back to the front.
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, band and choir. So part of our plan to, you know, change the world and make it a Christian-loving nation, post-Christian, I don't know, let's say, movement of love and justice in the world is Rob, who will stay on our team as Minister for Organizing. I don't think we're going to pay him. I, I, he might be volunteering. <laughs> but he was staying on our team. And um, we are absolutely thrilled about that. So please remember to come to his ordination next Sunday at 4 o'clock. And we'll have a beautiful party. And he's going to benedict us now. Uh, so what are we doing on Tuesday? Amen. Amen. And... Uh, I, I, don't, I don't mean to put down New York, but you know, I moved to civilization where they have early voting. Um, so so uh, what are we gonna do on Wednesday? We're gonna organize so that we have early voting here in New York. So we, we, we spend 364 days organizing, we spend one day voting. 
But we need more days voting. We need, to, uh, we need uh, changes to one of the uh, worst criminal justice systems in our country as far as discovery. Uh, and there's a chance that, if we, it, that we can actually fight for it and win it uh, here in the state of New York, uh, even as we do national work. Uh, so now please pray with me. Oh, Lord God, you have shown us the way through your people. Dismiss us now from this place, but never from your spirit. Oh, Lord, we pray all these things in your mighty, loving, and tender names. Amen. 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 Thank you.